Welcome to the Santa Maria College podcast, where once a month we sit down with members of our community who are creating, innovating, leading, and contributing to making the world a better place. From the college's history to social justice to entrepreneurship and innovation, we tap into a wide range of topics that affect our girls who are the leaders of tomorrow. So, Come along with us for the ride as we pick the brains of those who have been pivotal in Santa Maria's growth and celebrate those who continue to be change makers. So welcome back everyone to another episode of the Santa Maria College podcast. So with me today, I have Kristen Jones, who graduated from the college in 2006. So Kristen has a really special job. She's a senior embryologist working closely with couples who need assistance with falling pregnant. For the past decade, Kristen has worked at Concept Fertility and Day Hospital, a centre of excellence offering the most comprehensive range of fertility services available in WA. Kristen also runs an online education page, I Like My Ex Fertilised, which aims to empower patient experiences by helping them understand more about the science of fertility and assisted reproduction. She's also the resident expert for the Fertility Circle app, ambassador for Fertility Rally and the Fertility Help Hub and contributor to the IVF Warrior. So I don't want to give too much away, so I'll leave it to Kristen to delve more into this. So Kristen, firstly, thank you so much for coming in today. How have you been? Thank you so much for having me. Um, I've been really well, thank you. Just juggling work and my two little kids, so I've been keeping very busy. Nice. So the last time I saw you was at one of the Sisterhood Lunch series sessions where you shared some insight into your career with our senior school students. I was really touched by your story and, you know, all the work you're doing in the embryology space, so I thought you would make a great guest and I think you know, the SMC community will learn a lot from you. So thank you for coming in today. Thank you so much for having me. So in today's episode, we're going to talk through Kristen's current role and what this entails, uh, a bit about her tertiary education journey and the steps she took to get to where she is today, um, her key pieces of advice for those who want to pursue a career in reproductive medicine, some of her volunteer work and passion projects, Kristen's experience as a student at Santa Maria and to finish off we'll look at her plans for the future. So as I previously mentioned you're currently a senior embryologist at Concept Fertility Centre. Before we dive into that specifically can you briefly explain what the role of an embryologist entails and the significance of your work in the field? Yeah, so when you're trained as an embryologist so we are the scientists that do IVF, we're behind the scenes in the lab of um, an IVF centre. So we start off with our sperm training or the andrology lab. So we will process the semen samples for people going through treatment and we also do the semen analyses for people that are undergoing fertility investigation. We cryopreserved sperm for people that are working away and they need their sperm frozen or they may be freezing for medical reasons. And for a couple that is coming through for an IVF procedure, we would be the ones processing those semen samples to get them ready for use in the IVF lab. Mm -hmm. So once we're trained in all of the sperm stuff, we get to move on to embryology, which is, um, in my opinion, a bit more exciting. We Mm -hmm. get to look after the little embryos. So we... Uh, the I guess the first point in an IVF cycle is the egg collection. So that's where we would receive the eggs into the lab. So we're the ones in the procedure 
where the doctor's taking the eggs out of the patient, we look through the fluid, we find the eggs and we move them aside and incubate them until we need them later. So another part of our job is later in the day, we will then inseminate those eggs with the sperm. So we've got different methods with which we can do that. And then we are the ones that are freezing embryos, thawing embryos and doing the embryo transfer as well. So what are the key steps involved in the process of IVF and how does the embryologist contribute to each stage? So with IVF, it is a quite involved process and a lot does have to happen before we even get to the stage where we've got eggs in the lab. So for several weeks before the egg collection, the patient will need to be having ongoing blood tests and ultrasounds as they are also administering their medication as well. So they'll have medication that they need to give themselves to help them stimulate multiple eggs. Um, They may be on, you know, depending on what protocol the doctor has prescribed for them they may be on several different medications so we're growing their eggs we're checking their blood levels and the size of their follicles in their ovaries and then when the doctor deems that um, you know they're reaching to a stage where they're getting mature he'll give them prescribe the trigger injection and then that's when 36 hours later they'll come through and have their egg collection so the egg collections the part where the eggs are removed from the person and then it's kind of up to us in the lab to look after those eggs So we will inseminate those eggs with IVF or ICSI, depending on multiple factors, whatever the doctor tells us or depending on the sperm quality. And then each day we're looking after those eggs. So day one, we're checking for fertilisation. Day two, we're looking at cell division, how they're dividing. Um, Day three, obviously counting the number of cells in the eggs and seeing that they're within the normal range. Once again, day four, we don't really check them, but we still can have a look on the screen and see whether they're showing signs of compaction, which are the cells all sticking together. Mm -hmm. And then day five is the day that a lady will either come in for their embryo transfer Mm. or if they're not able to have an embryo transfer, that cycle will freeze any suitable eggs. Mm -hmm. Embryo, sorry. Sure. So I wanted to talk more specifically about your role. What does a typical working day look like for you? So the good thing with my job is that we don't do the same thing every day and it can be quite mentally draining to be in the lab every single day because it's a lot of attention to detail, it's a lot of focus and we can't, you know, we literally have a job where we can't afford to make any mistakes. Mm. So with that, we get rostered on for different things. So I might have one day where I am in the sperm lab. So in the sperm lab, I'll be doing the sperm freezes that day or the semen analyses or preparing the sperms that um, sperm samples that are going to be used in IVF. Or if I'm actually in the embryology lab that day, that's when I'd be getting in and checking fertilisation of the eggs from the day before. I'd be getting eggs checked and transferred into the transfer dish for anybody that's having an embryo transfer that day. Uh, Checking embryos, doing their daily checks, moving them from one dish to the next if if they need something to be changed over and doing the embryo thaws and embryo freezes as well. Mm. So can you share any memorable success stories or experiences from your role that have had an impact on you? Um, I have a couple that stick out in mind. Um, One of them was just recently, actually. I left my lunch at home, so I had to leave the building to go (laughs) get lunch. And as I was walking out of the building, um, three people had left the building just in front of me. And they were making a phone call and they put the phone call on speaker 
and whoever they were calling picked up the phone and then the people said, we're pregnant. And then I realised that it was a, a, a surrogacy situation. So they were coming through with a surrogate um, and they had just walked out of their pregnancy scan. So they had just found out that they were definitely pregnant. There was definitely a heartbeat. And I just happened to be walking past as they were making that phone call to whoever they were talking. And I just thought that was really special. Yeah. I thought I just thought that I was really lucky that I got to be there yeah. to hear that That's as beautiful. I was walking past. And the other one that really sticks out in my mind is a patient that came through when I had just first started. So when I first started, we had to have a day where we visited each department mm -hmm. just so we knew how everybody worked together and how we could all work in a team. Mm -hmm. And so I got to do a day in ultrasounds, which was really cool. Nice. And I was talking to one lady as we were waiting for the doctor to come in because she was just sounding – she just said she was really confused and she wasn't sure why she was there. And um, she said that the nurses had to tell her to come in for a scan, but she was waiting for her period to start. And, yeah, she was just a little bit confused as to why she was there because she couldn't understand what they were telling her. But as soon as I started doing the scan, like a baby popped up on the screen, like a decent sized baby, not not one that we would see in the early stages mm, of pregnancy. Mm. Um, so I knew what I was seeing and the doctor knew what he was seeing, but this patient had absolutely no idea, no idea what was going on. <laughs> um, so it was really cool for the doctor to be like, oh, you're actually in your second trimester of wow. pregnancy. So I'm not sure why she was coming through as a patient or... I think maybe she had had a cycle a couple of months yeah. prior and thought it was unsuccessful. I'm not sure, but that was really special to be wow. there for the moment that she found out that, yeah, she was well and truly pregnant. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's really beautiful. That was really cool. Yeah. Um, do you have any ongoing research projects or collaborations I'm not currently involved in any research, but okay. one thing that I do want to get involved in is that, um, so Concept now have embryoscope time lab time lapse incubators. So oh, that cool. now that, yeah, it allows us to take video of the developing oh, embryos. Oh, that's so cool. So one thing that I'm really um, interested in and that I would like to learn more about in the future is how the actual... Um, morphokinetic development of an embryo can point to whether an embryo is going to be successful mm -hmm. or not because at the moment when we make a decision of embryo selection of what the best embryo is going to be all we're really doing is judging an embryo based on how it looks whereas I'm interested in how specific events that sure. occur throughing the development may be able to signal um, whether an embryo is going to be more likely to be successful or not um or you know to, to point in a way sure. that you know that embryo may not actually be as good of quality mm -hmm. on a genetic level yeah that's really cool yeah. are there any like emerging technologies or techniques that are exciting or promising that you can maybe talk a little bit about yeah so same as with the time-lapse yeah. footage um there's also a lot of research going on in artificial intelligence oh, so yeah that is where i think the future is going yeah. to go i don't know in you know i don't know where the future is sure. going to go in terms of that but i hope that and i've never used i know there are labs out there that have used it but i would like to see how the artificial intelligence of you know, going through all of those embryo footage, the embryo footage, how that um, can be able to tell us which embryos are going to be more likely to be successful. Or mm -hmm, not. Mm -hmm. So, you know, becoming an embryologist isn't something that just happens overnight. Um, there no doubt would have been a lot of sacrifices, challenges and 
dedication over the years. Could you talk our listeners through the formal qualifications that are required to become a senior embryologist? Like, what did you study at uni? So the basic requirement is that you need a science degree. Um, I studied biomedical science at Notre Dame. The only issue with embryology is that it is quite competitive mm. to get um, to get a position. So is that because there's limited numbers? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's quite so, a niche yeah, field. So there's yeah. not that many. Um, there's not that many clinics as there are, say, if I wanted to get a job in like a pathology lab yeah, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, sure. So I was not able to find a job with just my undergrad, but. So I went on and did postgrad. I did Master of Reproductive Medicine at UNSW. Nice. And after that, it was quite easy for me to find a job. Yeah. So some places now will – I mean, if they're looking for someone and you just have an undergrad degree and you fit the bill, then, yeah, sure, you've still got a great chance because that's the minimum requirement. But for the positions that are particularly competitive, um, they will be looking for people that have postgraduate qualifications. And what – Undergrad, is it any sort of science? Science-based, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so any science-based. So do people tend to go into like biomedical yeah, generally? even just or Bachelor can, of Science. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And then what are the prerequisites for like your master's? Do you have to just maintain like a certain grade? No, so to get for the master's, you just had to have graduated with the yeah, they probably did look at the grades as yeah. well, but I know you needed to have the undergrad science degree to get into that. Yeah, like a background. Yeah, in, yeah. and then to get into the biomedical science, I needed to study biology and chemistry. In high in school? In high school, yeah. yeah. Okay. And I guess what initially attracted you to the field, you know, and motivated you to pursue that as an area of study? So to be perfectly honest with you, um, I really, really, really wanted to be a forensic scientist and oh, I yeah. love forensic files yeah. and I love watching all of the crime, <laughs> yeah, yeah, channel, yeah. crime channel shows. Same. Um, yeah, so <laughs> I have been watching those shows literally since I was in primary school yeah. and that's probably when I was in year 12 and I didn't know what to do. Um, I just thought I'm going to do science and I'm going to try to be a forensic scientist. But then I found out it's actually really, really hard to get into forensic yeah. science as well. But when I had a day at uni where we had to choose an internship, we had to find a place to choose an internship, my professor suggested that an IVF clinic was a possibility, which I had no idea at all because mm. I just assumed that was something that the doctors would have to do. So anything to do in the reproductive field did not even cross my mind because I just thought I would have to do a medical degree yeah. and my grades were not anywhere near mm. me getting into studying medicine. Mm -hmm. So um, when he said that, I was like, yes, that's exactly what I want to do. And nice. I managed to get – there was one internship going at an IVF clinic and I managed to get that internship. Nice. And as soon as I started there, that's exactly what I knew this is what I'm yeah. going to be doing with oh, my Oh, that's career. amazing. Yeah. I just want to keep it real. Like, were there any challenges you faced during your studies? During my studies? I mean, you know, the general challenges of keeping up here. Time management. Yeah, time and, management and yeah. keeping up. I think the biggest challenge for me was finding what I was going to do with that degree yeah. because I don't think – my internship wasn't until the end of my second year, beginning of my third year. Mm. So for the whole time leading up to that, I think the biggest challenge was just not knowing what I was going yeah. to do with it. Um, the good thing with biomedical science is it is quite broad. So yeah. you do lots of different subjects in different areas. Yeah. Um, so I did find that really, really helpful. Sure. But, yeah, just the general challenges of keeping on top of your studies and not letting it run yeah. away from you. Yeah. And then it's exam time. And I know. You haven't done anything. Yeah. You're five <laughs> lectures behind. Yeah. Like. <laughs> yeah. 
Did you have any mentors or influential figures? And that goes for now. Do you have anyone that you look up to or anyone that sort of helped you? Or I think there's just, you know, specific researchers that yeah. have done such amazing things in the field that mm-hmm. I'm always looking up to their work. Um, a lot of them are, you know, professors that have done PhDs, which yeah. I know my career is probably not going to lead me down that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I always love to look at the research that people are doing and seeing how they are actually using their work to change the yeah. industry. very cool. Looking back on your sort of education journey, do you feel it prepared you for your current work or career? In terms of the undergrad? Yeah, even the even the um, master's degree. Yeah. 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 So the master's degree that I did um, was very because it was specific. reproductive medicine. Yeah. It was very specific, and it did have a lot to do with assisted reproduction. So that was quite helpful. And the internship for sure. The internship, yeah. absolutely. That was my first. So my internship, I was like a second year uni of my undergrad. Yeah. And. That was my first experience in a clinical setting and that was really I think it's so important to immerse yourself in the field you potentially see yourself working in, like while studying. Oh, absolutely. And I think it helps aid like your your projects, your site like you know what I mean? It helps just very eye opening because yeah, I'd never stepped foot into an IVF clinic before yeah, then. Yeah. I'd never been to any fertility appointments, and you know, part of my internship was that I, I got to sit in on doctors' appointments and I got mm. to see what the nurses were doing, um, and I got to see follicle scans and see mm. what the embryologists so cool. were doing in the lab. So that was a very very valuable. Mm. And what advice would you give to someone considering? studying biomed and or reproductive medicine. Look into all of your options and try and get an idea of what you want to do with those degrees before you even start it. But, you know, I'm well aware that a lot of people finish year 12, they have no idea what they want to do and they start a degree not knowing where it's going to take them. Like I was, you know, I definitely was one of those patients, one of those people, sorry. Mm -hmm. Um, But one thing I struggled with in year 12 was I struggled with finding just finding career advice, Um, especially because me wanting to get into forensic science, there was a lot of conflicting conflicting things where somebody said you have to join the police force and then somebody else said, no, that's not the case. Mm. And then that – so forensic science just ended up being too difficult. Um, But – Still very grateful that it led me to a, sure. to a biomed pathway anyway. Sure. Um, but I only got on that bio. I only got on the reproductive pathway because of my biomed degree. Mm. Um, so I just think it's actually quite good to do a degree that's broad. Yeah. And not you know very very specific because it might open your eyes up to other areas and other yes. subjects that you didn't know you were interested yeah. in. So I saw online that you have created your very own online education page. I like my eggs fertilized. You have such a good following, 11,000 followers. That's awesome. Can you tell us about the inspiration behind starting this page? Like what sort of led you to create the platform? So I think what led to me starting it was I had returned from work after having my second, my second child. And I think at the end of each day, I obviously got to go home and see my children, which I realise a lot of people coming through my work don't get that. So coming back, I felt very, very lucky that I was able to, at the end of the day, 
leave my job, go home to my children. I felt very, very lucky. Mm-hmm. Um, and that just led to me feeling every time I did go to work and I'd see these patients coming through, de- absolutely desperate and going through such yeah. a difficult time in their life mm. that, you know, it was just very clear to me, like just very in, on my mind that, you know, I've got something that these people do absolutely anything for. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to do something that would kind of ease the stress for the people that are going through finding it very confusing. And I realised one day talking to on the phone to a patient that a lot of patients say, oh, I, I don't want to ask you another question. Yeah. Can I ask you another question? Or this is probably a stupid question. But there are no stupid questions. Sure. And the thing is everybody asks the same question. Yeah. If you have a question on your mind during your IVF cycle, I can guarantee you that there's so been many other people hundreds that. and thousands of women before you that have had the same thought yeah. because it is a very confusing process and there's so many elements to the journey. And yeah. I just wanted to create little simple posts mm-hmm. that would be very easy for people to read and very easy for people to understand, just like a little fact yeah, um, or just, you know, a little mini blog. And just in a positive environment and a positive way. Because if you do go on Google and you look up a lot of stuff, it can be very overwhelming, very scientific. So I just wanted to make positive little posts that would help people as they go through certain parts of the journey. Nice. Have you witnessed any positive impact or feedback? Like what's the, you know, reaction mean like? Yeah, I get a lot of inbox messages. Yeah, yeah, I get a lot of inbox messages, just people saying thank you. Yeah. And especially if I put a photo up of an embryo that doesn't look like a normal embryo should, um, I'll get messages saying, oh, thank you so much because I was wondering why my embryo didn't look like all the other ones that I was seeing online. Like it was good to understand why. Like, for example, when you thaw an embryo out, it's quite contracted, so it doesn't have that beautiful big cavity in the middle. Mm-hmm. The cells are sort of shriveled up. And when you look online for embryo photos, you don't really see that kind of yeah. stuff. So whenever I put up a photo of something like that and I'll say, this is perfectly normal yeah. for us to see after we thaw an embryo, so many people will message me and be like, yeah. oh, my God, thank you. I didn't understand, like, why my embryo was looking like that. So yeah. it's quite quite nice to hear that and even just putting up little inspira- inspirational posts um it's just nice to have people commenting and say you know i really yeah. need i really needed to hear that today yeah it must feel really good when people like you know when you realize how much of an impact you're having on people's lives yeah it is journey. it is very nice it's all been very positive so yeah far. yeah yeah awesome so you're involved in other projects such as the aura app and you're also an ambassador for the fertility rally and fertility help hub Could you talk a little bit about how you got involved in these projects and what they sort of mean to you? Yeah, so these were pages that are all quite prominent fertility pages Mm. that I just came across on Instagram and, um, you know, much bigger fertility businesses that are doing things on a much larger scale. But some of them just reached out to me and said, you know, can you do a blog post on, you know, fresh versus frozen? Yeah. Or, you know, can you do a post for us on, um, you know, day three versus day five embryos. um, So a lot of it started just as blog posts, but I've also done podcasts for some of these pages. Um, With the Aura app, they also, with their experts that they have on their app, they'll do Q&A sessions. So they've asked me on for some Q&A sessions where people write in with questions and then I will write back with some answers. Yeah, nice. And... um, or like Instagram lives and just things like that nice. where they've got people jumping on asking questions in the background. So it's been cool to do that kind yeah, of nice. stuff. Yeah, that's really awesome. 
And why do you think, like, why do you feel it's important to contribute to these groups? Like, what makes you want to get involved? What makes me want to do it is that I myself am a very, when it comes to anything medical, I'm kind of sensitive and like my husband always says, oh, you don't always need someone to hold your hand. But I'm like, no, sometimes you actually do. Yeah. So for people that are going through fertility struggles and, you know, I know it's a very stressful thing to go yeah. through, I just want them to have information uh, that makes them feel like, no, you mm. know, you can understand this. Um, we're just going to make it a bit more simple for you. You know, we're going to support you through this. And because, you know, I, I just know that it is such a stressful thing to yeah. go through. Yeah. So let's hop in our time machine and travel back to your days as a Santa Maria College student. So you were a day student? Yes, I was, yes. And you started in year eight? Yeah, I was at Mel Maria before then. Yeah, But yeah, cool. I did start here in year eight, yeah. And you graduated in 2006. What a time. I wish I was a teen in 2006. The music. It was a good time. Yeah. <laughs> um, to start, can you describe your overall high school experience or maybe some of your most memorable moments or events that might have influenced you? Um, I don't have the best memory, really. But um, no, I guess the overall high school experience, yeah, just like being here with my friends and trying to, you know, we were all on the same path yeah. trying to get through. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was a great experience. I, um, yeah, tried to give as many things a go as I could. Yeah. And, um, yeah, yeah, it was a good time. Nice. Were there any specific teachers or mentors that had a significant impact on you? Um, my biology teacher, year 11 and 12, was Mr. Sidney Smith. And he probably, yeah, I would say he was one of my favourite teachers. Yeah. He really helped me realise how much I loved biology. And he was very, very supportive. He was, you know, he was such a lovely teacher. And, um, yeah, I just always remember him being really lovely to me and mm. being such a great teacher. So I really appreciate him for kind of putting me down the path of a science a science career. Sure. And did you get involved in any extracurricular activities or clubs? I tried a lot of different things, but I wasn't very good at them, to be perfectly honest. (laughs) I'm sure you were. I gave everything a go. I tried tennis. I did a bit of netball. Yeah. Basketball. Yeah. Um, Not very sporty, I do have to say. Yeah. Um, So (laughs) my main high school life was focused to just getting through my studies. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Looking back, are there any decisions or choices you made that you think sort of set you on the path that you are now? Yeah. So there was one like just totally random thing. So I really, really wanted to do human bio Mm -hmm. and I, for some reason, and I can't even remember what it was, I couldn't because there was a clash in my timetable and for me to do one of the other subjects that I had to do, I couldn't do human bio and I had to do bio instead. Um, And I remember being like quite a bit annoyed about it at the time, but anyway, and then as I said, that led me on to having Mr. Sidney Smith as my teacher, and I reckon that was one of the best things that happened to yeah. me because, yeah, it's, instead of being focused just on human biology, I got to learn about all different types of science yeah. and um, biology, and I think that's what led me to a biomed degree, um, even though obviously human bio probably could have led me towards the same pathway, but yeah. I'm kind of really glad that I had that class in yeah. my timetable and that I did biology instead. Um, so I, th- I definitely think that did influence my pathway. Mm. Well, I could sit and chat with you, you know, for hours, but we're going to have to call it a day. So that's a wrap for this episode. Kristen, a huge thank you for joining us on our podcast. You know, 
I think our listeners will really treasure this conversation. So thank you so much for sharing everything about your life and career with us. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Um, So to all our listeners, we really appreciate your support. You can find the full transcript to this episode, um, as well as more details on Kristen and her work at www.santamaria.wa.edu.au forward slash podcast. Remember to subscribe and please share your thoughts with us. We love hearing from you. And if you have any ideas for future episodes, do not hesitate to reach out to us at crd at santamaria.wa.edu.au. Thank you so much and we can't wait to catch you on our next episode. Stay tuned.